Alright guys, welcome back to the Buck Fever Podcast. We've got a bit of a quicker episode for you this week, but it's a pretty relevant topic in terms of some of the stuff that we have going on here at Buck Fever Outdoors. We've got a couple of members taking a pretty big trip here coming up, and so we wanted to shoot a quick little episode on some of the things you might want to consider, uh, some of the preparations that you might want to take when you're going to be getting ready to take a big trip for hunting or fishing or whatever. Uh, so you're here with me, I'm Noah, and you've got Jake and Colby on the line as well. So the guys that are going to be taking the trip are Colby and Eli. Eli's a bit under the weather this week. Hopefully he's going to be recovered in time to go on the trip. But Colby, if you want to just take us through a little bit uh, what this trip is that you're going to be taking, what you guys are going to be doing, how long, that kind of stuff. Thing, fellas. Uh, yeah, excited to, to go. We're, we're going to Canada um, on a fishing trip, me and Eli, um, along with his dad um, and two of his dad's buddies. This is at least the fourth, if not the fifth time. I still can't figure out how many times it is, but let's say it's at least the fourth time I'm making this trip um, with Eli and his dad. And then some of the other guys have changed over the years, but we're going up to North Albany Lodge. It's on the Lake Pashkokogan and the Albany River system. Um, all I can say is it's in Ontario and it's really far up there, really far north. I don't know how else to describe it. Um, three plus hours north of Ignis. It's a 14 hour trip from my house, probably 12, 12 and a half from where Eli lives. Um, we're fishing mainly walleyes, but um, some bonus pike and stuff, but we're going up there. We're leaving Friday. Going to stay across the border border and over or stay overnight in Canada Friday night and then arrive at our lodge um, middle of the day Saturday in time to fish Saturday um, and get a good get a good basket of fish for dinner that night. And uh, we're fishing all week um, all the way through the following Friday. So um, really looking forward to this trip. It's just it's one of those trips where you're literally out in the middle of nowhere. So no cell phone reception, no TV, um, just totally disconnected from the world. I have super enjoyed that on every trip that I've taken up there, uh, that aspect of it alone. Uh, you got beautiful wilderness, fish that bite all the time. Um, it's a great trip, so super looking forward to it. So actually sitting in my boat right now, uh, here tonight, just getting some of the final preparations done and taking some time to shoot this podcast with you guys. So, Yeah, dude, it sounds like it's going to be an awesome trip, and I know I'm going to be looking forward to hearing how it's going and hopefully getting some pictures whenever it is that you guys do come back into some cell service there. But um, So I, you guys are going to be driving, correct? Yeah, this is a drive all the way in trip. Um I don't think either of us have ever, ever done a fly-in experience. So this is drive all the way too. But like I said, 14 hours away, it might as well be a fly-in because um, I think there's only two resorts on this whole um, body of water. And it's a huge um, river system that has some, you know, lakes essentially that break off from it. So rarely do we ever see other boats while we're fishing other than maybe the guys from our own group because we tend to go in the same general area so that, you know, you can keep an eye on one another just in case somebody has boat trouble or something like that. Sure. Yeah. Wow. That's going to be sweet. So Jake, when you and I went to Nebraska, which was our, our big out of state trip, um, we drove there obviously. 
And I know there was some preparations that we made as far as the actual vehicle itself, good old Big Red. Uh, do you want to <laughs> kind of take us through maybe some of the things that we did to make sure that our, our vessel was going to be ready to go for us? Well, we were in a little bit of a different uh, boat there. Uh, Kobe's got a fairly new truck, and uh, we were taking an 01 Chevy GMC with 260,000 on her. So, of course, uh, <laughs> an oil change oil change was due. Make sure to have AAA uh, under my name in case something were to happen. I think, actually, the brakes went out right before we left on the trip, if I do remember, and it wasn't for sure that they'd even be done in time. And so, I mean, she was pretty much brand new by the time we were ready to go, but obviously, uh, check your tires, all that good stuff. Make sure you got an extra quart of oil in my case, cause my truck would burn it a lot. And I know Colby, we were talking about it last week when you were doing a podcast that, uh, I don't know if you're still, if you decided to pull your boat or not, but like jacks and all that stuff and wrenches for tires, that's always a, a good thing to have. Makes it a lot easier than trying to use a tire iron and whatnot. Yeah, for sure. I actually, I'm going to pull my boat. Uh, we got reports that the water was like at normal or above that. So I am going to pull the boat up there. Um, I've been fishing a lot less just uh, with three young kids and just a lot of other, you know, family and work obligations. So I haven't been getting out as much as I normally do. So I just figured let's use it. I have it. It'll, it'll make things so nice up there. Just being able to navigate a little bit faster, having the bigger boat for storage and, uh, gear and everything like that so um yeah so that's that's one thing to extrapolate on there a little bit so the the option was either you pull your own boat up there or you were gonna rent one is that the deal colby yeah we've done it both ways um we've i actually pulled one of my boats my previous boat that i had i pulled that up there several years back um last year we rented a boat um which it's just uh you know a standard what you would think a canadian uh outpost would kind of have it's you know a nice 14 foot aluminum one with a 30 horse motor on it and that is totally fine it's cool um it's kind of nostalgic fishing and something like that versus like a bigger fiberglass boat um and i enjoyed it but the system of water on it it really is just so big like we pretty much have to drive with that type of boat, 35 to 40 minutes just to kind of get into some of the main sections of water that we really like to fish. And and it can go much further than that. Like we can be driving for an hour plus straight um, just to get back to some spots in a little boat like that. So the, having the bigger boat will just be nice to, to get to some of these places quicker. Um, again, we can carry more, you know, not that you need it, but a couple more rods and, and some more tackle and stuff like that and just have a little bit more space in the boat. You know, when when you're in a little 14-footer and you got two guys that weigh over 250 pounds standing up in it, if someone makes a good sudden jerk or movement or sets the hook extra hard, you know, uh, could throw the other guy off balance. You know, we're getting a little older. No, no one wants to take a, take a dip in the water. <laughs> Right, so that's a huge thing to consider right off the bat, and this is more specific to a boating trip than it is a hunting trip, but even some hunting trips where it might come down to using some of your own gear versus renting gear, you know, that's a big thing to consider there because I know one of the things you were looking at was um, water levels, as you mentioned, and obviously if it was a little bit low, 
there's a greater chance that you might hit your prop on something which can damage your prop and I suppose you'd rather do that in a rental boat than in your own boat so that could have uh, a factor there um, obviously then you have to pull your own boat which is probably going to lower your um, miles per gallon so you're going to be paying more in gas, but that might be offset by whatever it costs to actually rent the boat for however many days. Um, you know, your boat with the bigger motor is going to be able to travel a lot faster, you get to your spots faster. And, you know, even if you cut down a 45 minute trip to a 15 minute trip, um, you know, when you consider that being both ways or multiple times throughout the day, you can be saving hours and hours as it goes throughout the week. So that could be a big factor. Uh, you, you know, you'll spend more hours fishing and less hours driving, which is, is kind of a big deal. And then all of your gear, obviously, that you can just have right in the boat. Plus, it's another means of being able to pack stuff. Uh, I know for our boat, when we travel places, we my dad's got the cover that he puts over top of it so we can literally throw all of our luggage just right in the boat put the cover over top and then there's nothing in the truck whatsoever and that can be kind of nice too just in terms of, of packing things but like you said all your own gear you don't have to have to decide what's going to stay what's going to go you can just bring it all and it's all going to be there so that's a, a big thing to consider there for sure um, you know if it's a boating trip if you're going to take your own boat or rent one um, but any trip really if it's going to be you know what what gear are you going to bring that's your own and what gear is going to be just better for you to rent and I know like you said depending upon the circumstances there's been some years where you have gone uh, the rental route but this year it looks like you're going to be taking your own but Jake you, you mentioned the um, the AAA on the truck I want to get back to that a little bit because that's that was something that I never really considered um, do you want to run us through what that is a little bit well, I don't know a ton, but it was really my parents who suggested it, and uh, I'm kind of glad they did. But I, to my understanding, basically, I think it was like no matter where we were, if I called them, somebody would come and uh, help us with whatever it is, whether it was towing or fixing a flat or bringing us a new tire or, I mean, just anything of that sort. I believe that's what that did, and it kind of took some weight off of our shoulders, and it definitely off of our parents for sure, uh, taking a truck that old. I don't yeah. know if Colby has in your trucks really new, so and hopefully you don't have to worry about anything like that. Right. Well, that's the way that I kind of understand yeah, it too. Yeah, don't worry about it. Got... Go ahead, Colby. Ooh, okay. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah. I mean, hopefully the, the truck's a little newer, but you know, you still never know. Um, but that's just where, like, I got my oil changed today. It, it was about a thousand miles away from actually needing it, but I know we're going to put more miles than that on. Plus, I'm hauling the boat, so I just got it done ahead of time. Just wanted to make sure everything's up the up and checking all the tire pressure. Um, just having, like you guys were talking about, the wrenches and stuff um, available and along a better jack than just the truck jack, especially because you're considering potentially the boat too, if something would happen to a boat tire. But having all those essentials along and packed in the truck and double triple check and air pressure you know on the spare tires as well just just so that if you get in a bind um you're not just wasting time um with some of that stuff and and when it comes to like triple a like i don't have any of that like i'll be honest there's going to be some areas like once we get across the border it can it wouldn't matter if we had triple a or uh you know whatever in our pocket you don't have reception to call anybody so if something happens you're doing it yourself so 
you got to be in this type of trip prepared with all, you know, the tools and whatnot to be able to handle it on your own if something happens. And then let's be honest, you're out in the middle of the bush. Um, I would imagine at night the mosquitoes are going to be pretty bad. So you got to have, you know, headlights or headlamps and bug spray and just be prepared for anything where something could happen at any time when you're traveling. So, um, yeah, just anytime you're taking a big trip um, out of state that, you know, it, it is more than like a half a day of travel. I would say, you know, those are really essential things to all check and stuff right. like that. I don't, those, those aren't big checks I do if I'm making a, you know, a trip to the, the upper, the UP in Michigan to go ice fishing three hours away, or if I'm driving to Minnesota or something, I'm usually not doing those checks because it's just not that far, but, and you're going to be around towns and stuff where those options exist for help. But on a trip like this, where you could be out in the middle of nowhere, stranded, you want to make sure things are checked beforehand and that you're prepared if something does happen. Yeah, I mean, you've got to have both. You know, you got to really over-prepare. The AAA is a great idea, especially because you could be out in, in some places where you might have reception, but, um, you know, you might be a little bit further away from civilization. But also, like you said, Colby, you know, if you're going out west or you're going way up north, there's going to be plenty of places where you don't have reception. You're miles and miles and miles away from any sort of help, and it helps to be able to actually fix any problems you might encounter on your own because that could save you a lot of time, a lot of money. And, you know, sometimes something happens, right? If you blew out a tire and you've got a spare tire, you could just change that tire and be back on your way. You don't necessarily need somebody to come and help you unless you don't have the tools to actually be able to fix the problem yourself. So having all that stuff, you know, the, the goal would be that you pack a whole bunch of stuff that you never actually need, but at least you had it in case you did. Right. Cause you just would rather be yep. over prepared than under prepared and then find yourself in a position that just ruins your trip. No doubt, man. No doubt. Cause I know one of the stories we had was from just a, a trip uh, way up North in Wisconsin. Um, my grandparents have a lake house up there. We try and make that trip at least once hopefully multiple times every every summer um and one year we were going up there and we were pulling our boat everything was fine and i believe it was one of the wheel bearings on the boat trailer totally blew out um so then there we were stranded on the highway we didn't really have any way to fix it uh, we had to call a tow truck while we're sitting there on the side of the highway then we had to watch as the tow truck like picked the boat up onto the back of it and it's like wobbling back and forth right on the highway there and it's my dad's prized ranger you know i i don't know how he didn't have a heart attack watching that thing shake all over the place right on the side of the road there trying to get it up and you know so then it had to go in for the weekend and get fixed and we had to pick it back up on our way through but you know, luckily my grandpa has a, a boat or two up there that we were able to use and salvage the weekend, but it definitely put a damper on things. It, it made the travel um, take a whole lot longer. We had to obviously pay to get all that stuff fixed and whatever. So, um, you know, looking back on it, making sure even some of that stuff preventative maintenance wise on your boat trailer, you might think of it with your truck, but not your trailer. 
you know, making sure that your wheel bearings are all good to go, that, that everything's good to go. Just giving everything a once over, checking everything you can, doing any of the preventative maintenance that you can, because you never know what it might be that's going to actually save you. And doing it in enough time in advance, you know, if you're leaving on Friday, you probably don't want to start looking at this on Wednesday or Thursday. You should probably, you know, a couple weeks in advance, be looking at some of this stuff so that if something does need to get, you know, whether it's a fairly major or moderate repair something that it might have to get in for you're going to want to make sure you got some time to prep on all this but that's just one aspect of it obviously there's a whole lot of other things i know one of the main things that jake and i had considered was uh, the food situation so jake do you want to kind of share what we decided on for for food on our nebraska trip yeah, so well, obviously on the way there we had snacks and we st- we stopped. I don't know, maybe two times, two times did we stop on? Yeah, it was it was two, maybe three. Well, yeah, for gas, I suppose we had stopped three times. But uh, right. once we got there, we just pre well before we left, we pre cooked. I don't know, like twenty twenty five brats or something like that, and um, I think that's all we ate really. Just we, brats yeah, every night. Brats and hot dogs. Brats and hot dogs. Had, we brought some buns. No well, ahead. once we got there, we went to the Walmart. There was a Walmart where we were staying, so we picked up, you know, like chips and uh, like muffins for breakfast and granola bars and fruit snacks and whatnot, stuff like that. But uh, honestly, we packed pretty light. I don't know what your guys is uh, is like, Kobe. If you guys are just gonna eat everything you catch, type of thing, or if you get once you get close to there, you're gonna go out to the store and pick up some stuff or bringing everything from home and eating what you catch or uh it's a little bit of everything and uh i i would do this and post it but it might be too embarrassing but i guarantee if i took a picture of the scale friday morning before we leave and then the scale when i get back the following friday i will be let's just say north of five maybe pushing 10 pounds heavier when i come back just about guaranteed um one of my favorite aspects about this whole trip and any trip i love like planning the food stuff and eating and and whatnot and i'll tell you what we eat probably way too good for a week straight um we will eat fish fry like five out of the seven nights um we don't even bring like extra things like in case we don't catch fish because you you will catch fish um especially when you're talking just catching enough to to make a fish fry for the for the crew um in canada there is like my license i can only bring back two fish across the border so you're not fishing like for instance like a lake erie where there's no possession limit and you're keeping your you know limit of six every day for a week Um, and then you can bring back you know basically as many fish as you caught um per your daily limit in Canada, you can either buy a, a conservation license, which allows you to bring two fish back, or a sport license, which allows you to bring four fish back. I just happen to get the conservation one. Just my freezers, I have enough fish from Lake Erie and, and ice fishing in the winter and, and continued to fish around here from Lake Winnebago. So, but anyway, we, we'll eat fish fry like five nights out of the week. Um, the whole different gamut of different types of potatoes, whether we fry potatoes up, French fries, um, potato salad, stuff like that. Um, usually some type of vegetable, um, 
two of the other nights we'll do what we call a German night. So it's always like centered around like brats and hot dogs and sauerkraut and like fry out type food like that. And then I think we have like a pasta night where we do spaghetti and meatballs. But other than that, it's like all fish. Um, and, and another thing I love about this trip is it's like not hardcore balls to the wall, like fishing for 10 hours a day. Like we'll wake up every morning have some coffee, kind of chill out, wait for, wait for everybody else to get up. Like there's nobody's pushing anyone to like, Hey, we got to get out there at the first crack of dawn. So we'll all have coffee. We'll have a, a, a usually a pretty solid breakfast every morning. Um, and that, you know, varies from bacon to venison, bacon, to scrambled eggs, toast, you know, um, venison patties all kinds of stuff but it's usually a pretty big type of breakfast and then for lunch we're usually just packing sandwiches and we're eating out on the boat um, as we go a lot of times it's leftover fish all smashed up with like the leftover tartar sauce and it makes kind of this like fish uh fish cake sandwich i guess throw a piece of cheese on there uh maybe a little leftover coleslaw or something and that's actually like one of my favorite sandwiches um and we'll have those on the boat. So, yeah, it's a lot of fish. Um, throw in a cocktail or two for cocktail hour every night, and you can probably guess why a guy gains 8 to 10 pounds in a week. Yeah, holy cow. Oh, uh, it sounds like you guys are going to be absolutely living the life, man. Yeah, it's it's a good time. I mean, that's it's such an awesome trip. Like, So it's so relaxed, right? There's no pressure. A great breakfast. You're fishing all day. You come in. We, we say you come in for happy hour or cocktail hour. So you're in by 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon, enough time to usually sit down, have a cocktail quick. Then some people start cooking, and the other guys go, or maybe some people start prepping the food while the other guys go clean the fish, come back by then most of the food the main or the other like the side stuff is already getting cooked and the fish is ready to go right in the batter and then into the pan and um yeah you eat, eat a nice dinner and then it's it's time to just hang out relax enjoy the evening if you want to go back out fishing you can but a lot of times it's it's playing cards it's you know shooting shooting the breeze with each other uh one of the guys comes up plays the guitar so he'll uh play the guitar and sing music and and that's just a, a great time um a lot of like bluegrass country classic rock types type stuff so that's just super chill and relaxing um doesn't get dark till 10 o'clock at night so you know you're looking outside it's light out you can sit on the porch on the patio or in the in the cabin yeah man i could go on and on right it's just uh, it's, i can't wait it's a it's an awesome week yeah Sounds like the dream really right so I know you yeah. said that this cabin isn't like giant or anything because it's kind of out in the middle of nowhere, but obviously you guys have like a stove and stuff, right? Or do you have cook over fire? Or... No, there's all the cooking essentials and stuff that you need, you know, stove, dishwasher. Uh, well, not every cabin has a dishwasher. Um, usually that's one of us. That, that's the dishwasher. <laughs> uh, refrigerator, I meant to say. Um, but you, you have all that um, and shower and, and bathroom and stuff in the cabin um but other than that pretty basic you know no tv um there's electricity and stuff like that um there is like a a main shower house and kind of a cool like old school sauna house where you gotta like stoke the fire yourself 
Um, so we do that usually a couple of times where you get that all stoked up and then it like heats up the better rocks and you pour the water on the rocks and, uh, sometimes you got to go in there to sweat out a little bit of the, the booze from the week. So you get a, <laughs> get a little cleanse in the system. So nice, um, but it's all, all part of it. It's good. It's going to be interesting this time. I was just checking the weather today and Sunday it's going to be pushing 90 degrees up there. We've never seen it like that hot. Um, This time of year, you're talking that North of Canada, you don't know if it's going to be 80, like we've never seen 90 before, but you don't know if it's going to be 80 or if it's going to be, you know, 40 degrees and potential snow yet. Uh, We've usually been pretty lucky and hit stuff anywhere in the fifties to you know, 75, very comfortable fishing weather. I love fishing in a sweatshirt and stuff like that. But this uh, 90 degree day, will that'll be a, maybe a day we got to get moving a little early because I'm not a huge fan of fishing in super hot weather like that. But Yeah, well, there's um, like no then escape. The rest of, the rest of the yeah, yeah, no escape, right? You're just out in the middle of the, taking the sun on you. But the rest of the week looks uh, real solid, like in the mid-70s, so. It, it, it's going to be what it's going to be. We'll fish in it regardless of what it's doing, whether it's 90 or it's snowing or it's nice. We'll be out fishing. So, Yeah, I mean, I know there's been, like, some wildfires, and even here it's been really hot, really dry. There's been no rain in the past, like, two weeks or so, like, literally no rain, and there's no rain coming. So I know it's going to be uh, getting pretty hot, pretty dry. But, yeah, it, it sounds like it'll be a, a, still a good trip, and – I suppose you'd rather have a little bit warmer than 30 and snowing to be out on the water. I know I would. So, um, but yeah, it sounds like it's going to be a good time. And I know you guys got some, got some cameras going along with, I don't know what we're going to have for footage, but if we got any, I think it'll make a a pretty sweet video too. But so we've talked a little bit about food. Obviously there's things to consider there, right? If, If, you know, you, in your situation, you're going to catch enough fish. You're going to be able to feed yourselves. Um, obviously if it's more of a hunting situation, you never really want to be banking on on anything. You know, Jake and I weren't planning on shooting enough turkeys on like the first day to be able to feed ourselves for the rest of the trip. Um, you know, so you got to, you got to have some plans in place. You never really want to count on, um, whatever you're going to be hunting or fishing for to uh, be your total meal. So you got to have some sort of a backup plan, but for sure, any, anything you can get that's going to be fresh like that, you know, that there's almost no better meal than that. Um, but we, we've covered the food a little bit. Um, you know, the drinks can be. Pretty, yeah, can pretty... I jump in? yeah. 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 I just want to jump in. Like we, we've, maybe hit on this on a time or so before, but you know, this is, is a unique situation where you kind of already, you know, like you're going to catch fish, but on trips where like, especially like hunting trips, things we've done in the past, it's, it's always nice to, to come back and have stuff that's like pre-made, like you guys pre-made your brats and stuff. Sometimes we, we've done that. Um, just something as simple as a frozen pizza, something that can like, doesn't take a lot of prep work. Like, yeah, you'd love to come back and have this big, you know, juicy ribeye steak and all that. But, like, after a full day, like, out in the woods, the last thing you want to do is, like, take 45 minutes to prep your meal and do all this meal prep stuff. So it's nice to maybe, you know, throw in having stuff in a crock pot. We've done sloppy joes in a crock pot where we'll eat that for multiple days. You just 
the first guy that gets back and gets inside just flips it on. And then by the time you get all your gear, um, you know, reassembled and you're back in the shack and maybe grabbing a shower, boom, the food's ready to eat. And there was no prep involved with it. Um, you know, pizzas would be the same way, go in, put the oven on and you can shoot pizzas in there quick. And, and it's not just like a ton of prep, like in this fishing trip, when you know, you're going to be in, in the afternoon, you know, you got plenty of time for dinner. And that's part of the experience is, is everybody working together to, to build the, the nightly meal up. So kind of a different scenario um, between the two, but that's some of the things we like to do when we're out hunting. So, right. And making sure that you have enough sustenance that you're not just going to be like living off of granola bars or something, you know, you, you want to, cause you're probably going to be burning quite a few calories, especially if you're hunting and you're, you know, let's say you're taking a trip out West and you're going to be hiking, putting many, many miles on tons of elevation. Like you're going to be losing so many calories that you're going to need to be eating something substantial to kind of replace all those and keep your body going. Um, so you, you want to make sure that you've got something like that. that. That's a good point. You don't want to be taking too much time either to try and get your meals going as tired as you're going to be. You know, it could be an easy way out to knock down a couple of granola bars and call it good. But if you've got something like that, that's already planned, that's going to actually get some calories back in your body. That isn't going to take all that long. That's kind of the perfect sweet spot there. Um, you know, that stuff, I think a lot of people kind of get, um, drinks is pretty self-explanatory. I mean, it's not expensive or difficult to go buy a case of bottled water and, or two, and you'll have plenty of water, um, whatever other beverages, but what are some of the other things gear wise or clothing wise shoes, whatever else, like what are some of the things that maybe people wouldn't necessarily think about? Or maybe they would, but it's just like really important stuff that you want to make sure that you have straight. Like it's all good to go. You're prepared. What What are some of those things? Just kind of going off of what I said before, like especially on this particular trip, but I feel like even on just any of them, like it's hard to trust the 10-day weather.com forecast. So you just, you got to have stuff to be, prepared for any type of weather you're going to get whether that's going to be cold mornings you know it doesn't matter that's going to be 85 um, at three in the afternoon what's it like at 8 a.m when you first get out there it's probably going to be pretty chilly so um you know just being prepped and prepared to have to deal with different weather conditions you know um so have just a variety of, of clothing that way whether it's long sleeves sweatshirts stuff like that for me when you're fishing this many days in a row and you're getting exposed to the sun that much i I like no matter what the temperature is, staying in long sleeves. You know, there's a lot of great clothing technology now. Um, I wear a lot of the hook stuff, but, you know, there's all kinds of brands. But just that, that UV-protected clothing, they protect your skin from the sun. I mean, sunscreen's a huge deal. I remember one one of these trips that I went up there, I freaking forgot my sunscreen. So oh, and, and Eli rarely, Eli rarely wears it. He just doesn't burn like I do. Um, so he didn't bring any either. And my ears were so, um, just, I was very, very sunburned, um, on that trip. And it was not, not a good thing to have your skin exposed to that much sun and not have any protection against it. Um, so that's definitely, you know, I already got a couple bottles of that sitting out and I, and I have a few bottles in the boat. Um, 
yeah so you know rain gear stuff like that multiple pairs of shoes you don't you know if, if you do happen to be fishing and in the rain and something soaked you don't you know you want other other options uh that's probably it on the clothing stuff um gear wise you know gloves first aid kit band-aids you know you're going to get caught up by fish especially if you're fishing that many days in a row you know you know by the middle or end of the week you're going to be dealing with all the little cuts on your hands so um i actually bought some like fishing type gloves this year to hopefully help protect against that a little bit um yeah i mean extras of everything that you think's important so right um whether little equipment things in the boat like don't you don't come up with one set of pliers or no or whatever you know you you, you got multiple you got couple he- headlamps in case something goes wrong at night you know extra kind of little terminal tackle items that you might need um for us it's just a boatload of jigs and plastic is what we're going to be fishing with but i do have some other fishing gear along but it, it's relatively simple what we're doing so um yeah so, Jake, what was the number one clothing item on our trip to Nebraska? What was the most important thing? For me? Well, for both of us. There's one answer I'm thinking of. I don't know what you're going to say, but. Well, besides our hunting clothes, um, uh, underwear for me. That's one of them. I no matter I could be going up north for two days with a washing machine. I'm bringing three, four pairs of underwear. I don't know why it is, but no matter where I go, I always have them. Right. What's um, the other one though? It's along socks. those lines. Yes. Yeah, I do. I pack a lot of socks too. That, that's probably the most thing I, I'll probably pack. You know, double what I need. But you know, I don't know. I'm I'm a guy, and my feet smell really bad after walking around, especially when we were out in the mountains. Well, not really mountains, but the the ridges all day in Nebraska and it was warm. So yeah, yes. those are my two essential things. And yeah. I was going to jump in when you guys were doing that. <laughs> yeah. And every morning it was really dewy. And so then you would end up, cause we, I think we brought our mutters, but we also brought plenty of like hiking boots because I, I think we decided that it was going to be a little bit easier to kind of climb around in some lighter boots that weren't necessarily mud boots, but then, they would soak through we'd have super wet socks i remember we were setting them outside to dry or putting them over like our air conditioning unit to dry so socks are one of those things that if you get wet socks you're you're screwed you've got no hope so you you always got to make sure that you've got multiple pairs even like throughout the day you got to bring a couple different pairs of socks because if they get wet first thing in the morning just having another pair in your backpack that you can throw on that will literally change your day a hundred percent. If you have to go the whole day in wet socks versus being able to put a dry pair on that can literally save a trip right there. Um, so I can save a, save a pair of shoes from going rancid. <laughs> yes, that too. <laughs> save your feet from it's some kind blisters. Of a heavy downer. It's what? When your feet get wet right away in the morning, it's just like, it just ruins the day. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's no good. And then and it can ruin that, can ruin that pair of shoes. If you sit in that same pair of boots all day long with that wet foot, that pair of boots, nine times out of ten, is, is screwed. It is just going to have a rant. It, you'll never be able to get that smell out of there. 
Yeah, it's it's bad news all around. So that's that's one thing you always want to have. But that kind of leads me into another thing that I was thinking about. So when we go on a big trip, we're probably going to pack all of our gear. You know, it's just going to be whatever we usually would bring. Like when we were turkey hunting, I think we pretty much packed all of our turkey hunting gear the same way that we would have packed it if we were just going an hour west like we usually do on any given day in Wisconsin. Um, But as far as our clothes goes, we were going to usually be bringing like suitcases or big duffel bags, things like that to pack it in. But one of the things that I would always recommend thinking about um, when it comes to packaging things is that you bring some smaller bags because you're going to want to have bags that are going to work for just a day trip. You know, you're going to be thinking like, yeah, I'll, I'll bring my suitcase and pack everything in it. But you also got to have some smaller bags so that when you're just going for a day trip, you can pack a bunch of stuff. Um, but, you know, you can't just stuff your pockets with like five bottles of water and granola bars and an extra pair of socks and all your other gear. You got to have something to actually put that stuff in that's not a suitcase. But that could be one of those things that I could see you kind of overlooking if you weren't really thinking about it, and that could make a big difference too. Yeah, I kind of want to bounce off that. Um, when I was, I don't know, my parents have always done this, like whenever we go on trips or just family vacations in general, they'll bring like a, like a garbage bag and put all the dirty clothes in there, and you can separate your dirty from your cleans, and that way when you get home, you don't got to sort through the whole thing. You just take your garbage bag, take that down, do the wash that way, and your clean ones are still clean because they're not mixed in there with all the dirty ones. Right. Right. Yeah. Colby. Yes. Uh, I'm the same way with that. Always a uh, garbage bag to separate and all the dirty clothes goes in like a garbage bag rather than yeah shoving it back in your bag with your clean stuff. <laughs> right. And I suppose you guys will be fine. Like on the boat there, you probably won't have to worry too much about that sort of thing. Uh, no, but one of the days we will do um, like go into a portage lake. So we'll drive my boat to a certain point and then beach it um or you know throw the anchor on shore and whatever jump in the water and then we will carry our fishing gear rods um have a bag with a couple you know our our lunch and stuff like that and then we got to carry a little like four horse motor that we'll rent from the lodge and we carry that like a mile across this portage to a different lake where they have portage boats um, sitting there and we'll load all our gear in there. Sometimes we got to make like two trips back and forth before we got all of our gear. Um, sometimes maybe when we were younger, we were, we were able to muscle it in one trip, but nowadays <laughs> it's, it's two trips. And, uh, but it's awesome. Then you're on a lake that's completely untouched. Um, you're the only people on it unless someone <laughs> flies in there with a plane. Um, <laughs> there's literally no resorts on it. And, uh, that lake's insane. Crazy. Um, I remember the first time I was up there, Eli had claimed that, dude, we're going to see walleyes jumping out of the water. And I was like, you are full of, you know what? Walleyes never, walleyes do not jump out of the water. Like you're, you're just, you're, you're telling a good old fish story here. And (laughs) shit, you not. we get to the spot and he's like, well, there they are. And sure enough, walleyes are literally, you find the spot because walleyes are jumping out of the water. And, it's like one of those places where it's 
99 out of your first 100 casts you have a fish on it. Jeez. <laughs> and yep. they're just all 18 to 24s or something like that, you know, in that range. Uh, actually, that lake is where I caught my 45-inch northern pike last year, um, which was a riot on walleye gear. I mean, insanely huge fish. That's a giant. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Part of the reason why it's still swimming around and why I didn't get it mounted is it would have had to somehow get across the port. It would have had to stay in our boat while it probably went one on a stringer, um, which would have slowed our little four horse motor down, motoring around that lake. Uh, we would have had to somehow carry it a mile across the portage, and then that thing ain't fitting in anyone's live well or uh, cooler for that matter. So I didn't know a very appropriate way to even get it back to the states right um, so it was a, uh, it was a, uh, it wasn't even a, much of a thought it was a couple pictures of it and it, i let it go um everybody that i talked to has been like i can't believe you didn't get that mounted um but you know what's awesome is when we motor into that lake again this year i just don't know that fish is swimming around and i got a chance to catch it again so yeah and that's, that's... what's, that's what's really cool about catching a that's a topic probably for a whole other podcast, but it's something that I'm pretty passionate about as, you know, my brother and my dad and I have gotten more and more into like bass and Northern and musky fishing, whatever. Um, I, none of us are ever going to keep one of those. Even if we catch a 50 inch Northern Pike, it's not going to be kept. We're going to take really good pictures, really good measurements, and we're going to get a replica mount made and it's going to go back in the lake for somebody else to catch someday and have a really awesome memory or for us to be able to go back and know that it's still swimming in there. Um, but it's just one of those things where, you know, catching a fish like that and keeping it just to get mounted where you're not even going to be able to really eat it. Like that just seems so wasteful to me, especially with the technology they have these days. You know, I'm in the process right. of getting my sturgeon mounted right now and it's all going to be completely, a replica because like the guy even said it's going to turn out so much better if we do a replica if you don't you know no matter how well you prepare it all eventually those oils are going to start to seep through the color is going to wear off like there's not much you can really do but a replica is going to look really really good these days and it's going to last forever so that's that's something i'm i'm really glad about too and like you said like it's exactly right then you know that it's still there or somebody else has maybe had the chance to catch it and make a cool memory. Like that, that's something I think is really cool. Being able to throw those big fish back. Um, I know it's, it's something people have even talked about, like with deer, you know, when you, when you shoot a monster buck, you almost wish that you could also kind of catch it and release it a little bit. So you could, so it could live to be hunted another day, you know, but obviously that's something you can't do, but with fish for sure, that's, that's something that I'm really passionate about. Yeah. I think it just adds to the, you know, the legend or the legend of, of some of these big fish, you know, just the fact that it's still swimming around. Like, you know, it goes back to the old grumpy old men when they're after that catfish hunter, that big catfish, and then they finally end up catching it and then they let it go too. Um, swim in the lake and be out there with uh, the guys, his dad pops that had passed away. But it's just, it's so cool now. Like if I ever get to take my son up there someday, he can look at the picture and know that, hey, that fish 
I mean, you never know. It still could be out there swimming around. Like, and just that thought, that legend of it still being in the water for someone else to catch, or even when you go back to that body of water, you know, you didn't, you know, take that fish out of there. He's still swimming around, hopefully. And, and just that chance is, is pretty cool. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, I know we said we were going to keep this to be a bit of a shorter episode. I think we're already pushing like 45 minutes, but I want to go through one more. If there's anything that anybody can think of as far as taking a big trip, something you want to remember, something important that you might not think about off the top of your head, I want to give everybody a chance in case there's anything we haven't covered yet. We'll start with Jake. Buddy, you got anything off the top of your head? actually do it might be a dumb question but i know well, you guys are going to a different i mean country so to say you're leaving the u.s is the currency still the same in canada as it, as it is in the u.s or do you have to i mean you guys aren't really going to be stopped or like staying anywhere other than your hotel and maybe gas and whatnot so i was just kind of wondering about that no it's pretty it's goofy it's different um but if you i'm pretty sure i'm right on this if if, if you swipe and pay with credit card the credit card company like adjusts it automatically. Um, if you pay with us cash, you don't necessarily know if the cashier's giving you the right amounts or if they're taking a little over the, you know, off the top per se. So we tend to just swipe the card, um, just swipe, take one of our cards and that's the one that you're going to be using in Canada. I won't be switching back and forth between all your cards because who knows the company might call you and, and deny it or whatever but you know usually we're paying with credit card and that charges the canadian rate automatically that makes sense yeah that's a good point there especially for an out of country trip um i yeah because i i think they do accept u.s dollars but like you said colby you just never know and maybe some places won't accept it whatever but that's definitely something all that stuff passports like everything when it comes out going someplace out of country that you got to be thinking about that would be different than just being somewhere out of the state so that's a that's a really good question there too jake yeah um colby anything else that off the top of your head you're like man we gotta we gotta talk about this uh <clears throat> nothing really off the top of my head just uh just I, I just think anytime you go on any trip out of state or to any new experience it's just take it all in like enjoy the whole time like enjoy the little towns you might stop at or you know a unique place you know we'll, we'll stop at a unique place where we always get breakfast on saturday morning in canada and i just i enjoy all those aspects of the trip just as much as i do um fishing so it's just you know enjoy the whole journey of it because you know time goes fast and you never know how many more you got in you of, of all these trips so it's just uh taking everything in and just enjoy the ride no matter where you're going yeah that's really good advice and one thing i'll say to kind of um wrap up my final thoughts is as far as the preparation goes there's so much information out there online on social media if you're going to a specific lake or a specific state to hunt a specific species or even where jake and i were going you know this this it was a national forest i believe so there's all kinds of youtube videos out there all kinds of posts about it there's forums out there you know we did all kinds of research where we would just 
search, you know, the place that we were going and we would read different posts and watch different videos. And you can get all kinds of different stuff off of that based on where you're going specifically, where, you know, maybe you're watching a YouTube video and somebody brings something along that you weren't thinking of. And you're like, Oh man, yeah, that's a good idea. We definitely should have that. Or you're reading a forum and somebody's like, Hey, just so you know, if you're going to be coming here, like, don't forget this, or this is something that you might not have known, but you should be aware of before you make the trip. I wish I had known, you know, there, there's so much out there on the internet now too, with any of these places, obviously some of the places like you might be talking about Colby could be so remote that there may not be much information out there, but I would say for the majority of places that you're going to, there's probably some stuff out there on the internet that somebody might have something who's done it before that could give you some sort of information to help you out. And, you know, you just never know how that little bit of research, a little bit of prep time might actually save you big time in the end. But that would be my, uh, my closing thoughts on that. So if you guys don't have anything else to go, then I guess, uh, good luck Colby on your adventure. I know we're going to be anxiously awaiting the stories and the pictures and the videos and all that good stuff. It sounds like it's going to be a really good trip and I really hope it is. So, uh, best of luck. I hope you catch a lot of fish, some, maybe some big fish and just have a, a really, really good time. Thanks man. Uh, <clears throat> appreciate it. It's bound to be a good time. Uh, obviously we just hope we can travel safe and, and get up there is the main thing. And then once you're there, it's just, all right, we made it. We can find We can relax. Uh, and, uh, I don't know. I was kind of thinking, you know, me and Eli might have to put a few, uh, fun little competitions together. I mean, maybe the first guy to catch a certain number or maybe the most caught that day, or, you know, we'll, we might have to get creative and have a little, friendly little competition going on um, that we can film and, and joke around about and have some good fun with while we're there. So, um, but overall it's going to be definitely relaxing and I uh, can't wait to uh, just spend a week uh, pretty much disconnected. I think usually one or two nights we can get connected in the lodge. I'll call home and check on the family, but um, make sure everything's going good there. But <clears throat> otherwise I just enjoy being disconnected for a week uh and not having a clue what's going on in the world is kind of nice yeah absolutely man that's gonna be great so yeah we'll be happy to report back and hopefully a lot of good pictures and, and a good time and uh hopefully we can put together a little fun video on on what it's like to take a trip up to canada and slam some walleyes so yeah it sounds like we might even have to do a, a whole podcast to kind of unpack all the stories and everything that happened um so uh, if that if that's the case i'll i'll be here for it man sounds good fellas enjoyed the conversation as usual yeah thanks for coming on yeah absolutely thank you thank you guys for for being here and and thank you everybody for listening um as always you know where to find us we're available pretty much everywhere that you can get your podcasts um, and YouTube is where you're going to find the majority of our other content. Um, all of our stuff is Buck Fever Outdoors. Um, we have buckfeveroutdoors.com. You can find all of our merch, uh, a whole bunch of other stuff over there. Go check it out. Um, subscribe to the channel, like the videos, you know the drill. And thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next time.